Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Today's podcast is going to be another gear-related podcast, although I'm not going to dive too much into archery because I did recent podcasts about that. Uh, and I'm not really going to go too much into clothing because I have not too long ago done additional podcasts about clothing as well and some of what I've been using. So in this one, what I want to dive into quite a bit, because I haven't really done a whole lot of detail either on the YouTube channel or on podcasts, at least you know semi-recently, is some of my actual hunting and filming gear. But in addition to kind of just listing what I use and why I use it, also tackle some of the common comparisons like... Is it better to use the single sticking method or just use multiple sticks, uh, perhaps with aiders? Is it better to use a rappelling setup or just climb back down your sticks when you're done with the end of the sit? Is it better to use a platform or a ring of steps or some combination of both, going over the pros and cons of each? And is it better to use a minimalist pack versus a frame pack when you're deer hunting, especially in a saddle uh, type of mentality? And then I may even throw some ground hunting stuff in there as well. Before we get started, I have a quick message about the Spartan Forge app, which you can get a 20% discount on by using the code DIY. The app allows you to do all of your standard mapping, navigation in the field, and waypoint management. You can currently choose from three different satellite views, topo, and in many areas aerial imagery at multiple time points throughout history, view public and private lands, color code your permission status on those private lands, view all of your forecasted and historical weather info, Add journaling entries for your hunts that automatically tag the weather conditions and wind for that time period. And view a deer movement prediction powered by machine learning based on collared deer studies across the country. I also have a walkthrough video posted on my YouTube channel that you can use to physically see the app in more detail. And with that, let's dive back into the episode. So for starters, I have an updated gear list on my website, which I'll have a link to in the podcast description notes. Uh, I've been trying to more or less keep it updated. And, you know, a lot of the idea behind this particular podcast is that most of these topics I've wanted to do specific deep dives in terms of videos on the YouTube channel for. Um, But I'll be quite honest, I'm a little bit behind in terms of getting YouTube videos edited. I have a lot of footage that's compiled. It's in folders on my hard drives. Some of them are even in process on Adobe Premiere and just doing all the editing when I have a chance. But between all the various things I have going on right now, in addition to trying to basically hit the woods, any opportunity that I get, uh, the editing is is the one thing that right now I'm having a tough time kind of keeping up with. So in order to try and get some of this information out while the season is still pretty young, I decided to just use this avenue and then I'll likely still make videos on these things as well and keep the website link updated. But uh, this is just a, a nice good first step because I'm not 100% sure when all that stuff will get posted. So Let's dive into it. The first thing I want to do is just kind of run down the things that I'm using. And then after that, go into some of the more specifics and some of the pros and cons and why I choose certain things, especially when I've experimented with alternatives in the past and maybe thought they were great initially and kind of went back over time and weighing the pros and cons and finding myself in certain situations where I really started to rethink the choices. So 
I primarily hunt with a saddle. I still have a tree stand, but I don't really use it much. I haven't used it over the past couple of years. The stand that I have is one of the original, well, I guess maybe not original, original, but one of the, I guess, 15 years old type models of the Lone Wolf Assault tree stand. And I had made a couple modifications to it, swapped out the original V bracket to an XOP six point bracket, uh, just because I like the, the grip that I got with that one a little bit better. Made some additional modifications to it, added some holes so I got better leveling, that sort of thing. But primarily, I'm hunting out of a saddle by and large, either a saddle or on the ground. And the saddle that I currently use is the Tethered Phantom. And I actually have a couple of Phantoms, but the, the one that it seems like I'm using more often than not is actually a, a prototype one from back before the Phantom was a Phantom. Uh, so it was a little bit more stripped down. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles that a current one has. And, uh, to be honest, I actually don't even have leg loops on that one. So it's not even, I guess, fully up to par in terms of what you might expect to see from a, a store-bought model. However, what that saddle has allowed me to do is do some of my own little modifications and, uh, you know, cut some things off and sew some things on and, and kind of adopt certain little tweaks that I like in a saddle personally. And really the biggest ones there are for the bridge. I still have the adjustable bridge that the Phantom normally has. However, I swapped it so that uh, it's a left-handed adjustable bridge now instead of right-handed. And then the other thing that I did is I made that bridge so that even though it has the adjustability, one end is actually not attached to the saddle. So the little Prusik side of the Amsteel is still attached to the bridge loop, but on the other side, it's attached to a carabiner. And then that carabiner allows me to hook into or hook out of the opposite bridge loop. And really the only reason that I had done that, it wasn't to make the saddle easier to put on or take off or anything like that. It was really just because occasionally, and I think I've talked about this in the past too, occasionally, especially when it gets cold, I would try to wear bibs or even like the IWAM over top of the saddle. And really the only way to do that is to have a detachable bridge that you can route through pockets on those garments that you'd be wearing over the top of the saddle. So that's why I did it. And it just allows me a little bit of additional versatility. If I didn't basically do that one thing occasionally, when it gets into the colder times of the year, then there really would be no need to adopt that uh, particular modification, but it doesn't really hurt anything to have it on. So that's the way I leave it. I had also sewn on some additional Molly loops on the front portion of the saddle, kind of going up onto where the bridge loops actually ride and, and on the newest saddles they have those as well so that isn't really anything unique to my particular saddle I basically just did that to you know I guess be up to norm with the latest and greatest for what tethered's manufacturing I do have a sys hauler on each side and that's something I played around with a little bit I play around with trying to ditch the sys haulers just to have an overall lighter more streamlined saddle and I don't like having my ropes in my backpack as much I like having them nice ready to go right at my side and I don't have to go digging for them. I don't have to worry about losing them. It's really quick to just double check and make sure that everything's there right at my side. So I do still have those attached and I've added additional hooks to be able to carry up my climbing sticks as well as my platform. And for the platform and the climbing stick hooks, I actually just use 3d printed hooks. I've used some that are like a, a carbon reinforced nylon 3d printed material that I have at my house. And then I also have printed others in more of a semi flexible material, not, uh, not like super, super soft, but enough 
rigidity to where the hooks don't just flop open when you try and hang something in them, uh, but also not so stiff that they act like a normal 3D printed material. That little bit of flexibility gives them some resiliency. So I feel like in my testing, they're very, very unlikely to break, especially in cold weather. Of course, the carbon reinforced nylon is so strong that it's unlikely to break, you know, even in cold weather. But a lot of those other just basic 3D printing materials have had some issues with. So that's kind of why I choose what I choose on those particular hooks. Uh, but then that allows me to just have little loops with paracord or some other kind of cordage tied to those, you know, platform and climbing sticks so that I can hook those in. I have two hooks that are right in front of my sys haulers. And then I have one hook that's just dead center right in the back of the saddle. And that's usually the one that I would use for uh, my platform itself. Now for the ropes, I use the eight millimeter tether from tethered. And then for the Lyman's rope, instead of using the eight millimeter Lyman's rope, I actually have a, a DIY Lyman rope that I put together. And the person who originally showed me how to do this particular iteration was uh, Luke Spraggs. Uh, he showed me at one of the Palooza events, but it's a Sterling TRC six millimeter rope. And then it's just a, a DIY friction hitch that is using Amsteel material, uh, but it's tied in a distal hitch pattern. And then I have a, a little plastic ring that acts as a rope tender. And then that allows me to, with just a little wire gate carabiner, have a super minimalist ultralight Lyman's rope that packs up to basically nothing and still operates just as well as an eight millimeter rope with a, a rope man or other ascender would. For my climbing sticks, I basically used three options over the past several years. Well, I've tried more than that, but really I've just stuck with those three, which were the DIY climbing sticks that I built a number of years ago and have a YouTube video on the tethered one sticks of which I don't have any of the gen twos. I just have the original gen ones of which I've made modifications to, to basically make them equivalent to the gen twos. And then also the tethered skeletors. I, I got a four pack of those. And one of them I had chopped down to make it like a one stick version of the skeletor. And then the other three, I just kept at full length and some of the pros and cons between those various options. The one sticks of course are the lightest option, uh, but what you do give up is that out of the box, they're a little bit, uh, more noisy than the other ones. Um, you, you can be quiet with them right out of the box, but definitely recommend using like the stealth strips and, and basically just doing additional wrapping and, uh, perhaps even filling the tube with foam. I guess it's a little bit harder to do on the gen twos because they have end caps there. Um, but because the wall thicknesses of the materials are so uh, thin, you just do have to be a little bit more careful from a noise perspective with those. But I mean, the advantage is you can, you know, carry four or five, when my wife and I would go hunting together, a lot of times I would just carry all six sticks. Uh, and then we would just use those without aiders. I would climb up the tree first and then she would climb up the tree behind me and carrying all six of those was no different than carrying three sticks from, you know, five, 10 years ago that weighed two pounds a piece. So that aspect of them is ultra nice. And of course you could pair them with a multitude of different styles of aiders and a DIY, uh, move as you go aider that was very similar to the GC one aider from, uh, backwoods mobile gear. And that one works pretty well for the one sticks. I've also made some aiders that are single am steel loops that would just attach directly to the bottom step. And I've also made two step versions of those again, that would attach to the bottom step. And the advantage of having aiders like that is you don't have to uh, fiddle around with moving them. But the downside is at least with just the am steel and no spreader bars or anything like that, 
Uh, it is a little bit harder to fish your feet into them on the way back down. And with any aider that stays attached to the stick, if it gets really windy, especially when the leaves come off the trees, they do have a tendency to blow around a little bit, which is not my favorite. Now, with the Skeletors, the biggest advantage that I see with those is climbability. I mean, they're really nice to climb on. The steps angle out away from the tree. Uh, just the distance overall of the standoff is a little bit greater. They're easier to hold your hands on. And there's enough spacing there and just kind of the way that the, the shape of the standoff and step is. I mean, when you're standing on the bottom steps, you can almost just wrap your entire legs around the top steps and then you can use that as kind of an additional lock to hold yourself in place and nice and stable and tight to the tree in addition to your lineman's rope and you're going ahead and hanging that next stick or hanging your platform or whatever i use them quite a bit when i'm just hanging trail cameras because i can just throw that one stick up and just climb up onto it with an aider and i basically don't even have to use any other ropes or, or whatnot to hold me in place i'm able to just kind of lock myself right tight to the tree like that and go ahead and hang those cameras so that works awesome for that um, particular use. The other thing they work great for, I found is that cut down version for single sticking. That's probably my preferred stick. You know, I had done a video a while back where I used what we called the TIE Fighter at the time, which was a, a much, I guess, shorter, but also more platform-esque single stick. And it just always seemed like it wasn't quite as easy to climb with and I didn't get quite as much advantage just in terms of utilizing that as an additional platform, basically with the Skeletor or any kind of normal stick in conjunction with a platform, a separate platform, gave me all of the additional advantages that I needed while I was up in the tree. Uh, and the Skeletor was nice and quiet to be able to climb on, doesn't make a lot of noise in the bark. So it really just from a climbability aspect, it was kind of my favorite out of all the stuff that I'd play around with for a single stick option. The downside, of course, of the Skeletors is that they are significantly heavier. My DIY sticks, which are longer, weighed about a pound and a half, so around half a pound lighter or so per stick. And then the one sticks, of course, are about half the weight of the Skeletors. So that's, again, their, their biggest downside. But from a pricing aspect, they're appealing in that sense. And then climbability, I think that's the biggest advantage that they have. You know, lately, I had kind of given my DIY sticks another go around, and it was like almost instantly I had that nice familiarity because I'd used them for so many years and had gotten so used to that system. How I used to use those sticks, you know, they're 24 inches long, and I had three of them. And step spacing-wise, they're, or I guess standoff size, are a little bit better than the one sticks, but not quite as good as the Skeletors, but you know, it was kind of that nice happy medium. And I used multiple step aiders that I built for those sticks to where I could throw those things up on a tree with a rope mod and have the top of each stick basically eight feet. So with three sticks, I could get up to 24 feet if I wanted to and be able to do that really fast. Again, what I didn't quite like about those aiders is that they would swing around a little bit. Those are big webbing aiders that uh, just dangled from each of the sticks. And then of course they had the opportunity to get tangled when they're on a pack. So what I did make, and I just have a couple more tweaks to make to it, but I'll be able to probably try it out this weekend, is an aider that's very similar to the Versa aider. I guess you could say it's kind of a cross between the Versa aider and the GC1. Um, so the, the bottom of the aider would be multi-steps all sewn in, nice flat um, cross members, 
and a little bit of extra rigidity on those steps built in. So it's nice and easy to climb on. You don't have to worry about trying to, you know, use your toe to dig away the amp steel away from the bark. It's much easier to get your boots in on, especially on the way down. Uh, but then the top, I'm planning on using just a little continuous amp steel loop to hang those onto the Versa buttons and use it as a, a carry as you go aider. The thing I love about those types of aiders is that once you get up to hunting height, you can go ahead and just throw the aider in your pack and there's nothing to swing around. And even when you're looking at it from ground level, I mean, there's nothing at a deer's eye level where they can see that's anything out of the ordinary about that uh, trunk of the tree. You know, they have to look up and then again, there's like not much to really see because those sticks are very well camouflaged with the cell strips and the paint job on the steps. It is a little bit harder to come out of the tree uh, with that type of an aider because again, there's more steps. Uh, your sticks are spaced further apart. You have to pay attention to see what you're doing on the way down. But again, there's only three. Um, so it's, it's again, not the end of the world. Now for some of my other accessories and packs and other gear storage, I am using a marsupial gear binocular harness. In the past, I've used mostly the Rick Young bino harness and that worked okay. But certainly if you had heavy binoculars on, especially, they did have a tendency to bounce around a little bit more if you were on uneven terrain. So with the binocular harness, of course, you're able to hold everything nice, tight and high to your chest and then have additional pouches. So I have a pouch with a rangefinder, and then in one of the zippered pouches, I actually place a little DIY hiss strap that I made out of thin 3/8 inch webbing that I got from a hobby store actually. And it functions like a hiss strap from Tethered, except it's obviously just much smaller. It won't be able to hold as much weight, but primarily what I use that one for is some additional cameras that I have up above my Tether as kind of a semi-overhead view. So it doesn't really need to be able to hold all that much weight. And then on that uh, binocular harness as well, on one of the shoulder straps, I have my grunt call. And instead of having it somewhere in my pack where it's not handy or in a pocket and then I change clothes and it's missing, I just now always have it right at the ready. And it's positioned in such a way that if I wanted to be able to use it, I wouldn't have to use my hands really. I can just kind of lean my head over and uh, use the grunt call right where it is. Now, on the pack side of things, I've primarily been using the Sika tool bucket. I've gotten quite a bit of use out of that one over the past couple of seasons, and it's definitely shown heavy signs of wear. In fact, one of the little mesh side pouches where you normally put like a Nalgene or something like that is uh, ripped apart pretty bad. I can't really use it for storing much anymore, but the rest of the pack still functions pretty much just as intended, and so I still use it. I haven't sent it in for repairs or anything like that because I haven't really seen the need. But things that live constantly in that pack would be like my Doyle's gear hoist, as well as my tags, um, knife of which I'm using the, the Gerber vital replaceable blade knife. I've used like the Havilons and this Gerber one, like they all pretty much do the same task. Uh, I do like the way that the blades detach and add on a little bit better with the Gerber versus the way that the, I had to do it with the Havilon just feels a little bit safer, but all that stuff takes up hardly any weight. I usually carry zip ties in my pack as well, along with a Ziploc bag. Uh, and mostly that type of stuff is used just for, if I have an animal on the ground, I can go ahead and put uh, like the heart inside the Ziploc bag. And then I can use the zip ties. Let's say if it's a doe to make sure that the tag stays well attached to the ear or the leg or whatever the particular state regulations call for. And then I also use that pack to store my camera gear, headlamp, along with any additional clothes. And then I use that pack 
in order to carry all my extra climbing gear and, you know, platform as well. And the way I usually do that is with a standard size predator, it fits pretty well inside the pack with an XL. You'd have to typically put it on the outside of the pack, but with the standard, I put it inside the pack and then whatever other, you know, gloves, hat, puffy jacket, whatever else goes inside there, camera gear. And then on the outside of the pack, that's where I would attach my climbing sticks. And the nice thing about the climbing sticks and the way that they're able to attach to that particular pack is that there are not just two, but actually three compression straps. There's two that go across the face of the pack. And there's one that actually, you know, comes out of this little tiny pocket in the very top of the pack. And I think the intent is for carrying either a rifle or a bow to where if you just have those two compression straps, it's still going to be a little bit top heavy. This strap is literally just a strap that kind of goes out and attaches to the same exact point, more or less a couple inches uh, apart, but it does a really good job of making sure that anything that would otherwise be top heavy when lashed to that pack is able to stay really nice and tight and solid. And that ultimately allows me to carry those heavier items like the platform, and the sticks and snug them really close to my back when I'm walking. And that makes the perceived load, especially with a pack that doesn't have a hip belt seem very light. Overall, it's a pretty versatile pack. It's probably overkill in terms of space. And in fact, once the, the tether pack comes out, I'll probably switch to that because it offers a similar amount of versatility, but with a little bit smaller overall profile. Uh, so it's not going to take up as much just overall bulk and size, but still be able to do probably everything that I want it to do. And really I've kind of gone back and forth on the pack side of things of, is it better to go with a minimalist pack or is it better to go with a frame pack or you know something in the middle, like a mystery ranch pop-up, which kind of tries to, you know, split right down the middle between the two. And whenever I go back and try using that mystery ranch pack, it just don't like it as much. I don't like the way that the zippers lay out. I don't like how things store within it. Uh, certainly it carries weight better than a minimalist pack does if you have a decent amount of weight carried in the pack. But it seems like overall I'm not carrying enough weight generally with saddle hunting to where I really need, you know, a four pound frame to be able to carry some of that extra load. The minimalist packs usually do just fine. And if I am in a scenario where I need to pack out an animal, I'm usually going back to the truck anyways with the rest of my gear and uh, making a separate trip out with a bigger frame. So in the back of my truck right now, I have a frame pack with game bags. I also have a sled and I have a deer cart and it can just use any one of those, just depending on where I happen to be hunting, if it's a marsh or a place with logging roads or hill country or whatever. Now I'd mentioned that I use the standard size predator and typically I do go with that size over the XL. You know, the original size predator was the size that the group that was doing the, the design really wanted. Uh, nobody at the time really wanted the XL size. That was something that sort of came afterwards when people started asking for it. A lot of guys said, you know, Hey, it's, it's great, but we want something bigger. Um, and so that's where the XL was born. But personally, I still prefer the standard and primarily it's because it packs better. And, you know, I can fit it inside a pack like the Sika tool bucket and it fits really well. And the length for me is the important part of that, uh, particular design window because the length and how far it sticks out from the tree is what allows you to stand vertically on that platform and be able to pivot in place and shoot that weak side shot without having to go around the backside of the tree, which certainly you can push around and get to the backside of the tree on your strong side and just continue that motion. But 
if the backside of the tree has a bunch of additional limbs or brush that's preventing you from going around that way, then having that platform in place and being able to, you know, basically spin and carry your bow over or under your bridge makes it way easier uh, for that particular scenario. So the XL gives you a little bit more length, but it gives you a fair bit more width. And again, the, the width isn't as quite as value add for me. Uh, but what I do also carry that is, you know, I guess a little bit of an add on is the climbing steps. Uh, last year I started carrying just a, a ring of steps that had two steps in it. And this really does deserve, I think a, a video to kind of do justice to all the different scenarios and when a ring of steps would be just fine. And in some cases probably preferable and when a platform would be preferable, but overall to be well prepared for just about every scenario, it's so hard to beat a standard size platform, your climbing sticks, you know, basically at the same level as that platform. And then a strap that just has two steps that gives you a little bit better coverage. If you have a tree that is really large and you just need more physical footholds, it helps you a lot on a tree that is a little bit leaning forward and having those steps just gives you something to leverage off of. It also allows you to kick your feet up to the sides of the tree, especially if it's a smaller trunk tree and then take some of the leverage off of your knees. Even if you're wearing knee pads, sometimes it's really comfortable to just kind of, you know, spread your legs wide, you know, on either side of the tree and then kind of sit back into the trunk if it's an extreme leaning tree. So it gives you a little bit more options and it's still at the same time allows you to take advantage of the opportunity to go over top of your bridge and use all the benefits you would normally get with the platform. It's a little bit more weight. You know, the, the two step options that I um, will be using and I have the, the tree hopper steps, which are I think five or so ounces plus the strap. Uh, so five or so ounces each is about a pound overall. And then I had ordered some of the Bowman outdoors. They call them the platform steps uh, because they're intended to be used as a platform. Um, but I can use those as well. I'm eager to try them out because they look like just the way they're designed. They should be pretty comfortable to be able to, uh, you know, basically have those things on the side of the tree, especially they have a little bit better angle compared to a lot of steps that you would see. Uh, they're both pretty wide steps, so they should do, well, I know that the tree hopper ones do because I, I have those, they do really good with side pressure. And from some of the videos I watched, the Bowman Outdoors one should do all right as well. So we'll just kind of see how they go and I'll use whichever one seems to do better. I think, uh, I'll probably end up sticking with the over center buckle that comes with the tree hopper over the ratchet strap that comes with the, uh, Bowman Outdoor steps purely because it's a little bit easier to be quiet and it's just less work overall to get set up. I feel like, especially if you've only got two steps, if you're trying to do six or seven and you're on a big tree, sometimes you need that ratchet to really crank down and get a ring of steps as tight as you would need to. But uh, if you only got two on there, it doesn't seem to be quite as impactful. And you know, the, the big tree comment and the leaning tree comment, that's one of the areas where just purely having a ring of steps and no platform can be a little bit tough because if you've got a public land type hunt and you have a big tree, it's really hard to get that ring of steps tight enough, even the ratchet to where those steps don't have a good amount of play. And, uh, I guess shifting up and down when you walk around the tree and put your weight on them. And if you're on a leaning tree, then that strap that has all the steps on it is going to be, you know, really forced around the tree at a certain angle. 
And as you go around the backside of the tree, it's going to be, you know, perceived as those steps are getting lower. Whereas ideally you'd want those things to kind of go higher as you go around the backside of the tree, which in both of those scenarios, if you have screw in steps or pegs and you have the opportunity to do those ahead of time or have private land where you can, you know, screw stuff into the tree, then the ring of steps alone starts to become a little bit more appealing for those reasons. But if you're, you know, purely hunting on land where you can't put stuff into the tree or you don't want to pre-prep it, then that's some potential downsides of having just the ring of steps. Um, so again, from a versatility perspective, it's nice to just have all the options. If you're on a small tree, maybe you don't even need the ring of steps at all. You just go stick with the platform and, you know, maybe there's a scenario in which you can go ahead and use that ring of steps as a, an additional gun rest. I've used that as well. And one common question that still comes up a ton on message boards and Facebook groups is the conversation of the one stick climbing method versus climbing with multiple sticks. And I put together, at least for myself, a pretty comprehensive comparison between, you know, if I were to use a shortened tethered one stick, which is like a super minimalist um, one stick climbing method option, or three tethered one sticks with an aider, also a more commonly designed, you know, I guess bigger single sticking option that has more or less mini platforms on both the top and the bottom and using that without a separate platform. Uh, in addition to like four Skeletors as a multi-sticking, you know, heavier weight option. And when you compare those first three options, you know, multi-sticking with the three tethered one sticks versus either the, you know, tethered single stick or even that, you know, combination stick platform option, they're all within like two pounds of one another. Uh, the lightest option would be if you use a combination platform and climbing stick. But again, when you look at all of the additional accessories that you need for doing each of those options and you add them all up together, it's like, you know, 13.1 pounds versus 13.7 pounds versus the combination options, like 11.4 pounds. So it's really, I mean, it's tough to notice. Most guys, if you had a backpack and, and somebody threw a one pound or a one and a half pound weight, when you weren't looking, you probably wouldn't be able to tell, especially at, you know, 11 pounds versus 13 pounds. And the other thing you got to keep in mind is that typically with the single sticking method, and this is not just a guarantee, but one thing to consider is that oftentimes those systems are set up in such a way that most of the weight is on your saddle as opposed to in your pack. So that would include things like roll pouches, but your 40 foot of rope, your uh, descending device, your additional lineman's rope. If you have an additional add on to allow you to SRT up the rope, which is, you know, pretty minimalist option. You can add that in for less than a pound. A lot of that stuff ends up going on your saddle and then you might need to go ahead and uh, feel like you want to add suspenders uh, to keep that saddle nice and comfortable and riding up when you're walking in, which there's nothing wrong with any of that. But uh, again, the you know comparison is if you have multi-sticks, then you're going to be able to run a much more streamlined minimalist saddle that doesn't have 40 foot of rope attached to it. It just has, you know, minimalist eight millimeter tether. Uh, like mine has a little six millimeter lineman's rope and there's really not a whole lot of additional accessories you need there uh, to be able to attach to the saddle itself. And when you have everything else in your pack that you would need, you know, including those additional sticks, well, you know, one and a half or two pounds of combination stick versus four to five pounds of sticks that are all lashed to the pack. It just seems like ultimately it's a pretty easy carry either way you go. 
Uh, so then it just kind of comes down to the overall ease of use, the fiddle factor and the versatility uh, for being able to climb multiple different kinds of trees. And it always seems like with the one stick method, for me, there's a bit of a learning curve there. If you do it over and over again, you can get pretty good at it. You can get pretty streamlined, but it always seems like when I go back to multi-sticks, it's just like getting back on and riding a bike again after taking a few years off. It just comes back so natural. Whereas if I do multiple sticks for a while and then I go back to single sticking, it's like, oh, I'm right back at square one. It feels goofy and I have to get back into the groove again. And uh, I personally think that if you have a trees that have leans or trees that have a lot of branches, I still think it's easier to use multiple sticks. And although you can climb gnarly trees with the one stick method, it just seems like it takes longer and I end up expending a little bit more energy. The nice thing though, is that with those repelling setups, getting out of the tree is usually a breeze. And as long as you don't have some kind of weird scenario where your uh, 40 foot rope jams up in a, a crotch between a branch and the rest of the trunk to where you have to climb back up and dislodge it, which is a pain in the butt. Um, then I really do prefer repelling down the tree. It's pretty nice. And of course you can use a repelling setup with multiple sticks as well. I know a couple of you guys that have done that. And in fact, I even tried it on a hunt uh, early this year just to see how I liked it. And I liked it okay for the first hunt but then the very second hunt that I tried with it I was on a leaning tree and of course when you're climbing with multiple sticks you tend to climb on the high side of the lean of the tree but then of course when you repel you are being taken by gravity to the low side and that made it pretty hard to retrieve my sticks on the way down because there was a gap and I had to kind of you know pull and swing myself into the tree to be able to grab each stick as I was on my way down to take them off the tree so for that aspect having the repelling setup in conjunction with the one stick uh, method makes sense. Uh, whereas just using a minimalist tether and lineman's rope with multiple sticks also makes sense. And at least for me personally, when I look at all of the various scenarios that I find myself in, I tend to like the multiple sticks and just the minimalist setup on the saddle a little bit better. Uh, but again, that one is going to come down to a little bit of personal preference. And lastly, I'll just touch on filming gear. What I have been using new this year is the fourth arrow satellite arm. It works pretty well. It's nice and lightweight. Probably the thing I like about it the most is that the base that goes onto the tree itself is small enough where now for the first time I can fit that thing inside of a sys hauler and I can keep everything else inside my backpack. But where I've always struggled in the past is I'd get to the tree and then I would take my pack off and then I would take the base out and try to basically fit it underneath the pack that's hanging there. And the, you'd have to, you know, fish the strap underneath the pack. And it was always a little bit of a pain. Whereas now I can take that uh, base off attached to the tree before the pack ever comes off my back. And then I can go ahead and set everything else up. So from that standpoint, the order of operations is a lot smoother. The one downside I've seen is that you really got to get that strap tight with a moderately heavy camera or you still run the risk of it uh, starting to slip a little bit because the attachment points of the base aren't as far apart as they are on some of the other models. So definitely something to keep in mind. I really keep trying to think of ways to get away from using a camera arm at all. Uh, number one, just because from an ease of filming standpoint, camera arms are always kind of a pain. But number two, I do feel like even, especially with a saddle, I could be a little bit more efficient if I didn't have to worry about that camera arm, I could be able to, to move around the tree a little bit more freely, be able to truly use the tree as a blocker in more scenarios and not have to worry about either getting myself in the way of that camera arm or getting myself to a position where I would be, you know, 
basically impossible to try and film uh, where the deer's at. One thing I do like, of course, is a pistol grip to go on the camera arm itself. I've used in the past a pistol grip uh, made by Slick, the AF-1100E. That one works okay, uh, but I also picked up a Manfrotto pistol grip that's a little bit different design. It's more horizontal looking in nature, and the model on that one is the 324 RC2 pistol grip head. And yeah, I'd say overall, I like that one quite a bit. It allows me to point that camera straight down super fast, whereas sometimes the slick, there's a little collar on it that sometimes be pointed the wrong direction and it would hang up when I would try to point the camera straight down. So the Manfrotto one definitely resolved that issue. I had bought it used off of Adorama, which allowed me to get like 50% off or something. It was a pretty good deal. The main camera is the Sony a7S III, paired with a 24 to 240 Sony lens. It's a all-in-one zoom lens that doesn't have the best image quality, doesn't have the best low light quality, but it does have image stabilization and it allows you a pretty big reach with that 10x overall zoom. And the a7S III is so good at low light anyway that when you get down to the last legal minute of shooting light, and even if you have a pretty solid tree canopy, it still looks absurdly bright on the screen. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a little bit of noise there, but that camera can see still better in low light than you can. The one downside of that system is that you can't use that camera and lens combination to run a remote with it to run the power and the record and the zoom and the focus. Whereas with my old camcorder, the AX700, I could, and that was very nice from a self-filming perspective. So in a certain aspect, you know, I'm trading off quality and low light capability for ease of use. And with the microphone, I have the new Sony ECM B10, which runs off the camera's power and it's just a set it and forget it. You never have to worry about batteries going dead, uh, but it is powered by the camera. So it has a little bit better quality than you would get out of a microphone that just runs off of your three and a half millimeter mic input. And it's just physically very, very small, which is all, you know, nice things to have. Uh, but again, I'm always looking for ways to get rid of that system overall and just be able to utilize cameras that are action camera based, I guess you could say, and ditch the camera arm entirely. And I've gotten pretty close. Really, the only thing that's holding me back in entirety is the fact that action cameras just are not good in that last 20 minutes of light. Uh, if you get down to the last, you know, two, three, four, five minutes of legal shooting light, I mean, you can hardly see anything. It's just a dark, grainy mess. But for those cameras, I do have a couple of GoPro 10s. One I have on a head mount, which always has been good for a second angle, and it can save you if you don't have your camera arm pointed in the right direction. The other one can just attach to that mini hiss strap that I have above my tether. And then I have an Insta360 1X2, which is a 360 camera. That I have on a selfie stick that is self-powered. It's got an internal battery that connects to the camera. And it also has a power record and charge button right on the base of the handle. So I can attach that to my mini hiss strap and then I can have the 360 camera basically stretched way out away from the tree and then I can just reach up on the base of the handle and go ahead and hit record, which is awesome. I'm actually contemplating just sticking with those cameras for some of my early season hunts and traditional bow hunts and then once it gets closer to the rut and I'm using my compound again, maybe switch back to using the camera arm. I don't have to worry about as much of you know getting in the perfect right alignment and everything else associated with trying to shoot a traditional bow accurately out of a tree. 
But anyways, I think I went over quite a bit of the items that I am currently using for this upcoming year and maybe given some insight on some of the comparisons and choices that you have between different styles of gear, you know, the platform and the climbing stick side of things. I'm sure I've probably missed some things. So if you have any additional specific questions, go ahead and feel free to reach out to me. Instagram messages at DIY underscore sportsman are probably the best place to go ahead and reach out. That'll do it for this week's episode. As always, make sure to follow the Sportsman's Empire on Instagram and Facebook. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. And if you're looking for additional content from myself, subscribe to DIY Sportsman on YouTube and hit the bell icon to be notified of new videos. You can also follow DIY underscore Sportsman on Instagram. And with that, thanks for listening.